0: Quarterback is a new sports series that features an unprecedented look into the lives of three quarterbacks, including your Minnesota Vikings, quarterback Kirk Cousins, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota. Watch Quarterback July 12th only on Netflix. And so now we've got this shuffle in the backfield and they haven't signed anyone new. How do you see that playing out?
1: I'm in love with Ty Chandler. This is how I see this thing <laughs> playing out. I'm so excited for Ty Chandler. Ooh. Suddenly we're like more deep at safety. It feels like a luxury spot right now. And the one thing you can look at and safely say is this team's got some talented safety. And that's the one spot of the defense you can feel pretty good about rolling into 2023 with.
0: You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson here in studio with me, alongside producer Eric Davidson. We are back from Fourth of July break and we have a very special guest joining us as well. He's the creator of guillotineleagues.com, Paul Charchian, a big friend of the Vikings and of this podcast. Paul, how's it going? Um,
1: i I, I, I am a big friend. I, I I'm very excited to be here. Thank you very much. It's it's uh it's fun to talk Vikings in advance of training camp when really everything just sort of goes crazy, right? You go from very quiet right now, everybody's on vacation, you know, this is everybody's, you know, sort of just chilling out and then training camp hits and you go like zero to 100. And then it's just like all football all the time for the next six months.
2: Yeah. That's the way we love it. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's always weird when you get to that break time, you know, I know we all love the, uh, the, the thing that we're afforded by the ownership with the, the week off during 4th of July. And, and I know I've heard Lieber talk about this in the past, but I always feel the same way too. It's like when July 5th hits, all of a sudden your mind just kind of switches and says, well, summer's over. And uh, it's, it's time to get ready for all the chaos that's about to happen in the next couple of weeks. So it's a fun time of year. We all look forward to it. It, it is the the calm before the storm right now, but uh, it's a lot of fun just to think about what's about to be on our doorstep here in just a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, speak for yourself, Jay. Yeah, it is. And, <laughs> and there's, there's so many good storylines, right? As we head into training oh, yeah. camp, we have more different new faces this year than we have in years. So I think this is going to be an opportunity to get familiar with a lot of players. And, uh, you know, this is, we're year two of, of Kway, the Quasi regime, and we're going to, we're seeing a lot of the fruits of his labor and change and, you know, it's all going to come to bear in training camp.
0: I think that's what is so interesting. And I think expected when you get a new front office and new coaching staff, that there is going to be a lot of change. And there was a lot of change last year and there's certainly a lot of change heading into this season. And when I reached out to charge to come up, you know, we were talking about topics. He sent me some really good talking points. I appreciated that. It helped me with my legwork. But (laughs) but uh, but one of them that kind of stuck out to me and you you kind of led me right into that one right here is that this roster has become a lot younger, um, especially on the defensive side of things. And one of the talking points is is. Is there a potential very, like, quote, unquote, quiet rebuild or a competitive? Because Kwesi calls it a competitive rebuild. But is this a quiet yeah. rebuild yeah. going on?
1: You know, last year, the term was competitive rebuild and the team was very competitive. 13 wins, That's right? Fair. Um, I, I think this is a I think this is an unstated, um, much more overt rebuild happening now because of how much younger this team has gotten and the fact that Kirk Cousins isn't under an extended contract. I think when you roll those things together, like they let some older players like Dalvin Cook and Dalvin Tomlinson and Eric Hendricks gone, um, you know, basically starting over at the cornerback position with all the veterans gone, Patrick Peterson gone, this has turned into a a young roster, and while nobody's you throwing around the word, the word rebuild, and it's got different connotations for everybody, um, but I think when people hear rebuild, they tend to think, well, we're not, we're not playing to win. We're, you know, we're losing and we're maybe even, you know, nobody, no team ever tries to lose, but I, and I don't think that's happening. And I don't think that's the kind of we, rebuild that's happening here, but I think this has been a very conscious decision by quasi to put this roster in a position um, to really be very good in the next couple of years, as some of these young players get uh, a little more time under their belt. Uh, hopefully the fruits of the last two drafts start to hit quasi's last two drafts start to hit. And I really think that the fact that Kirk's not under uh, under an extended contract tells me that there's they're keeping the door open to get young a quarterback next year as well.
2: One of the things for me, charge, that I've been kind of uh, harping on here for the last couple months when we've been looking at contracts and everything else that's going on is just even looking ahead, like you said, to next season. You know, uh, just do a quick look on on sport track and they talk about the fact that there's thirty contracts that are currently on this roster. That are due next year, and you know, with whether it's restricted free agents, unrestricted free agents, or even club options. And some of those names are yeah. like Cousins, Hunter, Darisaw, Hawkinson, Hicks, uh, Cleveland, Joseph, Wanham, Osborne, Metellus. Like there's some yeah. some decent names that Good we name all know there. at this point. Yeah. And so, just looking ahead to next season, even financially, with the fact that that's going to hit as well, I mean, that's going to be almost kind of your, in my opinion, delineation line between when this roster is going to fully flip as to who you're going to yeah. keep and who you're going to kind of revamp. So, I think you know there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made this season. Looking ahead at next year, with all of those contracts that are going to be flipping over,
1: Jay, that's a it's a really astute observation, and I'll I'll throw one other variable into that discussion for next year um my the people that i know that are really into college scouting and drafting tell me this is going to be one of the deepest quarterback drafts in memory and maybe a historically deep quarterback draft there will be some high-end top-end talent but the belief is we're going to see upwards of 10 quarterbacks taken in the first two or three rounds of this draft that it's there's a there's going to be a ton of options so if the Vikings have decided that, or decide, you know, they don't have to make the decision for another eight months here, but if the Vikings do decide that their, their next quarterback is going to come out of the draft, they're going to have a lot of options and and they don't have to be a three win operation to go get the quarterback they want. You know, this could end up being another playoff caliber team and still come out of the draft with a quarterback that they feel like can help them in the future. And, and I, and that's, you know, to, to your point, I, I really think next year is going to be the, the big year when we, we see the big change, potentially a quarterback.
2: And we've also talked about this a little bit on the show, just the idea of to the, you know, think about what the Vikings have done here in the switchover versus what the Bears have done when polls came in and basically cleaned house and said, we're just going to completely wipe it clean and, and start from scratch. Essentially, yeah. you know, it's going to be very interesting just to watch how these two franchises who have gone down, you know, the left fork and the right fork of the road, just to figure out, you know, who's going to be set up for the future. And maybe both of them come out, you know, looking shiny and, and, and new at the end of it, just different, completely different paths to get there.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, another great point, Jay. I mean, I, I think the difference is Ryan Pohl inherited a roster. That was bad. And I think it was pretty easy to clean (laughs) house on that roster. Um, But Rich Spielman left just a lot of talent on the table. You know, Justin Jefferson and Christian Derrissaw and, you know, Brian O'Neill and, you know, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. And there was just, you know, this, this team was too good to tear down. And so I I, I think Kwasi made, you know, the correct strategic decision and not moving on from just so many talented players like, uh, like Chicago did. And you're at a, you know, there's no one there's no one recipe that makes it perfect. And we'll have it'll be va- fascinating to see both of these teams in a year or two and, and see which route ended up being more effective. and Maybe they both will be
0: one of those contracts that is going to be coming up for debate. And really, honestly, is being debated right now just by the caliber of player is Justin Jefferson's. And obviously, that's been such a huge topic this year. He's due two point three nine nine million Next season nineteen point seven four three million. And that's considered underpaid, obviously, for his position just by his his level of play. And he's obviously extension talks are in the works and coach, Quasey, Justin, they've all addressed it that it will come in due time. But Charge, is there a level of anxiety or or is there a level of panic in 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 the contract status of Justin Jefferson? Well,
1: not yet but we're not that far off i i I don't believe that jefferson will end up being an active participant in training camp if he doesn't have a new deal and that's when it'll all come to a head right when when players don't participate in training camp that's you know you know now it's real and i i think everybody's sort of biding their time assuming that there's going to be a deal done uh but it hasn't happened yet and we're only two weeks away from training camp so yeah, I mean, I'm starting to feel the anxiety over Justin Jefferson's contract situation starting to bubble up because I, I don't think there's a scenario where he plays on 2.3 million dollars this year. So, you know, it's it's either I just I just hope that this doesn't isn't something that lingers into training camp and becomes the story of training camp where it's Justin Jefferson. I
0: mean, he is supplementing his income with a lot of great endorsement deals. (laughs) That's true. That
1: that does always help. I think at the end of the day, they want to get paid, but yes, Yes. and he is. And and God, God bless him for being a, uh, for being as responsible as he is. I think he's the kind of guy you do want attached to your brand. And, and, Justin, I know you're a big listener to the podcast. Uh, guillotine, <laughs> leagues. guillotine Leagues would be perfect for you. Oh, uh, there you go. We can, we can make you front and center. Yep, you can be the Guillotine League spokesman.
2: Church, I don't know if you have enough zeros on the back like, end of that check. I was he may have priced himself happen.
0: out of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, one of the things I that- will give Justin Jefferson a free entry into a
2: Guillotine League. There it has to go. be a
0: non-monetary one. <laughs> we don't want any any betting betting six week
2: you know yeah. penalties. You know, one of the things I was thinking about with this too, and you guys kind of brought it up. You know, the, he is saying the right things at this point still. Oh, yeah. You know, and seems like just kind of say it's going to play out, and he's kind of living his best life, running around in Brazil and just kind of traveling the summer and enjoying his time. Um, but it does kind of feel like you know, the longer you wait, it doesn't feel like he's going to uh, diminish in his. Capacities in, in his production, it just feels like it's going to get more and more expensive. I think, you know, given what we had talked about, even with the the contracts and seller cap number and stuff happening next year, I'm sure it's going to be weird. And the fact is, you know, he's still got another year in the contract plus a fifth-year option. But it just kind of feels like they're trying to figure out, you know, when is the best time to thread that needle to figure out, you know, when do we want to take on the burden of that contract, mixed with the fact that this guy is just about to pop into his prime of his career. And uh, it's just kind of a weird and and tricky situation that they got to be able to manage.
1: Yeah. Now, fortunately, Rob Brzezinski is pretty brilliant, yes. and he's we've seen this coming, right? You know, Justin Jefferson has been awesome from the moment he got on the field, and you know, whatever it was, week three of his rookie year. So there's been plenty of time to know this is this is coming. That I want to believe that the Vikings front office and Rob in particular have. You know, already sort of figured out how to how to fit him in. This isn't you know you shouldn't be surprised by this and that they're they're going to know what it takes to get Justin Jefferson's contract done The price of doing business for the best receiver in the league has only gone up, uh, but I still want to believe the Vikings are are going to do that. And I believe Justin Jefferson, when he signs his deal, will be the highest paid non-quarterback in the league.
0: Easily, easily. Piggybacking off that, I wonder how much of these talks, or in maybe in Justin's mind, and this is all speculation for me, or in this question for you, Church, is that what we just talked about a couple of points ago, where the Vikings quarterback situation is up for debate. And how much does that become a factor in his decision-making process, knowing that if I'm moving forward with this massive contract with the team that drafted me, but not knowing who's going to throw me the ball necessarily in the future, if that's a factor in all of this.
1: Yeah. You you wonder if it is. That's a great question. Tatum is when you're, when you're negotiating with Justin Jefferson, what does, does his group have an opinion and do you even ask? And does he he get any (laughs) say in this? I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to make him the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. This has worked out pretty well. But at the same time, if you're signing a new five-year deal an extension with Justin Jefferson, Kirk at that stage would be 42 years old at the the end of that (laughs) deal. And it it could be that Justin's people would rather have uh, have the knowledge that the Vikings plan to get a quarterback in the next draft. So yeah, you know, I'm not clear on how much you let Justin's Justin and his uh, and his agents um, get a peek behind the curtain into what your plans are for that
2: great question yeah and I think you know the name that popped up when you guys were just talking about this was Drew Brees think about like with him you know and the amount of production that he was kicking out down in New Orleans for all those years and everyone just kind of assumes like yeah he's going to be here and then eventually he gets to the point where it's the back end of his career and, and everyone's kind of having to figure out that that exit strategy but still like you know he got a lot of people paid down in New Orleans for for many many years and, and it's kind of a similar thing here you, you've got top end production for, you know, one of the faces of the league at this point and Justin Jefferson, it's like that guy throwing him the rock has made him, you know, some, some, some pretty good stats there. So I am curious to see just yeah. what kind of uh, uh benefit or payoff that, that produces for not only Justin, but for Kirk in the future.
1: And do you, do you want to tie up? How much money do you want to tie up into your, into one quarterback and one wide receiver? If you do extend Kirk at what will then probably be uh, high thirties, 40 million a year, You'll have Justin making 20, 25 million a year. You got two guys with like a $65 million. That's insane. Just in those two. <laughs> it's kind of insane. So, you know, and even when Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill were together, the Chiefs looked at each other and went, we can't do this. We can't have that this much money tied up into two great players and the Vikings may ultimately you know, be making the same decision quietly right now by not extending Kirk.
2: But what's going to be weird about that is even thinking about the Kansas City side of it is they had a Travis Kelsey who is essentially a de facto another wide receiver that they could use for that production too. So it's, it is weird because think about how this league has evolved and that it used to be such a running back heavy league now to switch to such a a passing and aerial attack heavy league Those kind of guys now, that money that used to be, you know, an extra, what, $10 million a year contracts for those running backs, that money is now shifted over to more of the quarterback play and definitely more of the wide receiver play. And I still think uh, even tight ends, you know, even with us, with with Hawkinson, like with this contract and stuff that's coming as well, all of that is going to kind of shift and skew and top heavy these offensive players when it comes to those contracts because of how important they are now within this league.
1: Yeah. I don't know that that was the design and the plan with the current uh, CBA, but it really kind of has become, um, you know, it has become a a top loaded uh, league where just elite players get played, paid a lot. And then there's, you know, and then, you know, there's sort of everybody else and a few players that get a little something in between. And, you know, when you find yourself as a middle-aged veteran making a fair amount of money, like say Dalvin Cook, that's a tough spot that this salary cap does not work very well for. And that's, that we see a lot of those middle-aged veterans, teams end up moving on from those guys. And I don't I don't think that was the intent of the of the CBA but that's just how it's worked out.
2: I think and I but I do think that that was part of the progression with the CBA and if you really think about the old Sam Bradford deals with those rookies getting 45 million dollars guaranteed or 60 million dollar contracts guaranteed and the veterans were all yeah. raising their hand going, "Hey, what the heck's going on here?" Right. Like these guys haven't taken right. a snap and all of a sudden you get a Jamarcus Russell situation where they just don't <laughs> produce and they just walked out with a giant bag of cash. You know, the veterans now are the ones that are getting paid, but then it does flip your salary cap and that they're getting all of the top end money. And then people say you're pricing yourself out of the out of the league at this point.
1: The old days were bad. It was way worse. Now, Sam Bradford was the last guy to really hit that big time. Right. Yep. Bradford, you know, despite the fact that he never quite really clicked with any team and became you know highly successful. He made $103 million over his career. Um, And a lot of that was because he got in on the last fat rookie deal.
2: And part of that with Bradford was I think that he's one of those guys that even seeing what he did here in Minnesota, I mean, he had that – four touchdown game when he walked in the door for the for week one everyone's like we did this we got it we finally got our guy kind of a thing and then he basically gets hurt by the next week and it's it it, he was one of those guys that i think was just the unfulfilled potential within the league yet he stuck around as a backup quarterback etc and he got paid and and you know, for someone like him, I think that was part of what these veterans and the CBA and stuff were looking at was saying, you know, yeah, it's nice that this guy stuck around and got paid the way that he did. At the same point, you know, we'd like that in our pockets too as as proven veterans. So it's it's a weird, the whole, when you get into the financial side of sports, especially football, it gets very, very messy very quickly.
1: Yeah, it does, and no. maybe a little boring. Maybe we should. Have, do you think? Do you think we've left any listeners left as we're as we're analyzing the salary cap? We, well, we did, Dale.
0: We did have a salary cap analyst come on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully we didn't lose him on that one either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you did mention, you know, the, the name of like Dalvin Cook, who's no longer here, mainly because of contract situations and the way the salary cap kind of plays out. So that leaves yep. a wide open spot there in the backfield, and the Vikings signed Alexander Madison to a an, a very good deal there right before. Um, I guess it was pretty early on, one of the first like re-signings, and so now we've got this kind of shuffle in the backfield, and they haven't signed anyone new. How do you see that playing out?
1: I'm in love with Ty Chandler. This how I see <laughs> this thing playing out. I'm so excited for Ty Chandler and. It's not a knock on Alexander Madison who will absolutely have a role in this backfield and he's the, he is your probable week one starter, but I don't think he's 100% locked in that way. Maybe I'm reading too much into the preseason, but I, I loved Ty Chandler's preseason last year. Now, he wasn't active for many games, so you know, maybe it was just me and not the coaching staff. They and They make all the decisions, not me, but I loved what I saw. Um, and I think Ty Chandler has got some skills that Alexander Madison doesn't have. I'm confident he's a better receiver because he was in college and, you know, we saw him on special teams. I think Ty Chandler can be better that way. He's more explosive than Alexander Madison is. Um, And, and I, I just think there's going to be a spot here where, you know, Matt, we know what Madison is. He is a competent, but not flashy running back. And I wonder if at some point this team doesn't say we want to add a little zip into our backfield and give Ty Chandler a chance to, get some meaningful reps, and I, I'm excited for that. I think there's way more of a training camp battle than people
0: think. I, I have to agree with you on that one. I do think that Ty Chandler is someone that Kevin O'Connell has been very upfront that this is a guy that he really wants to see work in this offense, and I think it has a lot to do with his pass-catching abilities. In college, he caught 73 passes for 681 yards. He has the ability to be there if he can stay healthy. Um, he's a good kid. His head screwed on right. I think we had him on the podcast last year. He's just a solid person as well, which I know is a factor for this coaching staff to have those kind of guys in the locker room as well. I think you're going to see a lot of him during training camp. But I will say when we were out at OTAs and uh, mini camp, Madison was getting a lot of um, a lot of pass work. And so I think that that's a skill they're definitely trying to improve for him and focus on as he takes this next step in his career as well.
1: Yeah. And speaking of great people, Alexander Madison and all my interactions with him, just, you know, super smart guy it just you know there's nothing not to like from a personality standpoint oh, yeah. uh, about Alexander Madison we're talking about good people and um and you know for sure Madison will continue to have a role here and maybe he does develop into a, a more of a pass catch than what we've seen so far you know Dalvin Cook was an accomplished he wasn't a Damian Tomlinson but you know he yeah. threw him and um and so if they want Madison to take some of those reps I, I think they're I think they're trying to find out if he can catch so don't don't be surprised if you continue to see a lot of pass work for Alexander Madison as they try to evaluate if he can if he can pick up those Dalvin Cook receptions.
2: It's kind of weird because you know you think about the Ty Chandler side of it and and everyone's assuming that he's going to be more of the kind of dynamic pass catching guy and you're kind of kind of the lightning of the thunder and lightning style of you know if Madison's more of the, of the thunder. But it's one of the things with Madison was when he was coming out of Boise State, I was a huge fan of his, uh, having watched a bunch of their games in, in college. And I'm like, when he got to the NFL and the very first time he hurdled the guy, I'm like, that's the guy I remember (laughs) seeing in college. And that, you know, just showing off like that is a big body boy, but man, he can still move. And the fact he's that athletic, you know, it just feels like he's finally getting to the point where – I think in his mind he's looking at it saying, I've been a number one back this whole time. I just need the opportunity. And now that he's getting the opportunity, I just look at Madison feeling like he's going to take every opportunity he's gonna get here and really try and jump into those those lead shoes and, and really make it work because you know, there were games, yeah, even last year where, you know, he had to come in and and handled full-time duties with Cook being hurt. And there was a difference in production, but it wasn't this massive cliff. And I think a guy like Madison being able now to to be able to focus and be the lead guy, I think he's going to shine this year and just given his opportunity – and be able to show everybody what he's known all along and that you know he belongs in this league and can be a lead back.
1: Well, just one last thing in this running back situation. Jay, you're you're probably right about everything you said. I think there's going to be scenarios. Something will happen middle of the season. Madison will get most of the work, and it might be a, you know, a 70-30 or a 60-40 split with Madison getting 60 and then others uh, getting the rest of the work. I think Ty Chandler's going to make some big plays uh, because we've, we've seen him do that. Um, and when he makes these big plays – I think he's going to set himself up for a spot to, you know, that next game after he, you know, reels off a 48-yard catch-run touchdown. He's going to put himself in a spot where he's going to start demanding more time. And I think there's going to be some scenario unfolds over the course of the season where Ty Chandler just presses himself uh, with big plays into a bigger role.
0: Well, I definitely think that that's a possibility. And so here's my next question. Do you draft any of the Vikings running backs on any of your fantasy football league teams,
1: guillotine or not. I just drafted Ty Chandler uh, yesterday <laughs> in one of my leagues. Uh you can hear this coming, right? So Alexander yeah. Madison is, he's expensive uh, to draft. He's going to cost you roughly a fifth round pick, fourth round pick, sixth round pick, somewhere right in there. I can get Ty Chandler the, with the last pick of my draft. And, you know, based on what I was just telling you, I think Ty Chandler is going to force his way out of the field. So for where I have to for what I have to pay to get those guys, I want Ty Chandler.
2: So you're looking at him as kind of a Tony Pollard style guy that, you know, was kind of the seen as the backup, but just took more of a role yeah. because of how dynamic he was being.
1: Jay, that is a perfect. I'm stealing <laughs> that.
2: <laughs>
1: that is a perfect analogy where Tony Pollard simply forced his way on the field. And that's and through a similar skill set. You know, Pollard was breaking off all these long runs. He was catching the ball really, really well. He was, you know, he he forced himself through great play and big plays onto the field. That's a perfect analogy, and a royalty check will be. His <laughs>
2: oh, I am I am all for that. Thank you very much. Uh, I will I will let you take the credit. I will silently take the money in the background. That works for me. Uh Deal. The thing about Tony Pollard though too was that he was a huge kick returner or uh, punch punt returner in college, and that was one of the skill sets that really got him on the field. And you could just see, you know, a guy that we have here that is dynamic in returns is uh, Wangwu. How do you see him kind of fitting into this whole mix at this point because there is no doubt that that speed that he has on in open field is absolutely deadly when he gets a chance. And I just feel like with the rules that are changing with kicking and everything, like teams are going to try to eliminate that given the fact that he's had really what, four returns. So it's like he's somebody that I, I, I am very curious to see how he works into this whole mix because of how dynamic he can be.
1: I think he's a bubble guy. I think that I don't think he I don't think Kane Wan was a lock for the fifty-three. I think he's one of the guys that's gonna be sweating all training camp. Um, and you raise a great point. Just special teams being downplayed by the league, uh, and it's it's unfortunate. But that's just the that's just the reality of of where the league is right now and their their efforts to make the game safer. And that's you know it's it's just not like it used to be where you you really wanted a, an elite kick returner could be a, a game changer for you. Cordell Patterson with the Vikings was was here yeah. you know, when uh, when you know, kick returns still mattered. It's just not that way anymore. And Kane has not managed to uh, distinguish himself as a backfield runner. So I, I think Kane's in a in a tricky spot here. Uh, this is gonna be one to watch throughout training camp and I I don't know I I, like I said, bubble guy. I don't know. I don't know if he's a lock for 53.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I like it. A hot take right out of the gate. Well, I guess halfway through. (laughs) Uh, You know, we've talked so much about the offense. I do think we should dive into a little bit of the defensive side of things. And uh, I know I know for uh, for many people, it's going to be a very different look. You have a new defensive coordinator for the second time in two years. Um, yeah. we have Brian Flores who I think everyone is very excited about the players have talked about him um, being a players coach how he has very intense but they really like working with him and the defense seems fun and um, a little bit more attack style a little bit more aggressive Yeah. and so I think that's going to start with him but then you also look to the outside and his cornerbacks are going to be playing a lot of man they're also going to be pretty aggressive and, and we know that you know the Vikings picked up Byron Murphy and I he's a presumed starter in in this in this defense I guess you could say
1: yeah, for sure for I sure think, yeah. heading into
0: this and so you know there are a lot of young names how do you see that trio of cornerbacks playing out because I guess in, in camp a lot of the times they've had those three guys in the mix at all times, they've had three on the field.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be weird that we've really just turned over the whole position. I mean, yeah. you know, for returning snaps from last year at the position, I don't know. We I don't know. We might have a couple hundred total returning snaps between everybody that's currently on roster coming. You know, it's it's, it's so Caleb Evans will move into a, a starting role presumably, or a battle for a starting role. Andrew Booth, the second round pick from last year, likely is uh, somebody who's going to battle for a starting spot. Um, and then this team drafted some some corners this year as well. Um, and we might see some some action from uh, Mackay Beck, Blackman, and uh, Jay Ward as possibilities. But Byron Murphy's here set. he's your he's your he's your nickelback, right? He's your slot your slot cornerback. So he brings veteran uh, leadership and understanding uh, to the position that is otherwise very, very green. And for, from uh, for us Viking fans, we've seen this team put a lot of draft equity into the quarterback position. It's a little frustrating that we got to keep rebooting this spot, but hopefully we we finally got the right guys to give us some long-term stability at cornerback with all these new faces.
2: And I think they're thinking the same thing too. You know, I think they they look at this as their opportunity. Yeah, you, you know, you you bring in a Byron Murphy on this roster with the assumption that he's going to be the starter, but he's the new guy too. So like people are going to look at this at least within that position and say this is my shot. And, and again, kind of like we were talking before, contracts, whether it's here or even the next contract, they're going to be playing as much playing time as they can to really show out that, you know, they belong here within this league. And so I am curious with some of those younger guys, especially in, in second and third seasons coming up here, you know, is there anyone really there that you feel like is has the potential to leap out and be that that alpha within that that younger group there that can really solidify their spot on this roster this year.
1: Well, Byron Murphy's really good. Um, and that was a it was a real loss for the, for the Cardinals to uh, to let him go. We, you know, you get a player who has at various parts of his career really shined and you know, it's slot cornerback used to be something you could sort of forget about and you didn't have to spend that much time worried about but now teams have got three receivers or two receivers and a tight end standing in the slot all the time your slot cornerbacks on the field, 70% of your plays. And so, you know, to me, if we can get great play at a Byron Murphy, that will help so much for the, the whole cornerback group as in its entirety. When you've got these young kids that are trying to learn on the outside, if you've got one guy that you just, you can just go, we're going to play straight man out of the slot, Byron Murphy against whoever, you know, I'm on Ross St. Brown um, and not have to worry about that. That's a that would be a huge relief. So for me, if there's if there's one guy that I I need to be as great as we've as Byron Murphy has shown he can be at times, that's to me, that's the spot that we 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 need to be able to rely on.
2: But of that next tier of guys, is there one to you that you think has the potential to be that guy that could jump up there, that could be the you know third guy within that group, whether it's a uh, you know Booth Evans Blackman or Jawan Williams or those kind of guys?
1: Yeah, so Booth looked really promising in college, and obviously, you know, as we all know, injuries have just derailed both his college career and now his pro career to this point. But in terms of a, just in terms of a college prospect. Booth looked like the guy who looked like he could be NFL capable. And so want to see what he can do off of a, what will presumably be a fully healthy training camp and rolling into the season as I think likely a starter here. Um, but a Caleb Evans, you know, they get, he got playing time last year and I thought he looked promising. And so, you know, that's the guy that I think, you know, if you look at somebody and just say, basically we've already seen on film and, and it at the pro level, a Caleb Evans looks like he's pro ready. And I think that was part you know, part of the reason why they were able to make all the changes. They made a cornerback is this, this front office felt like and coaching staff felt like a Caleb Evans was going to be somebody that they're comfortable starting pretty much every play. Yeah,
0: can't agree more. I was going to bring up that point. Plus, I do think that the signing of Juwan Williams is going to be one that might go a little bit unnoticed for a while um because you're adding all these young guys, these new and exciting toys and and I know that he didn't really I don't think he lived up to his potential with the Patriots. He's a second round draft pick in 2019. And I do think, you know, it's he got a second contract. I think this is his time to develop in this system and be a leader in that room because it's a very very young room. And um and I I know he's he's another one of those guys who's just a high-quality character guy as well. So I think that that veteran presence will be very helpful, and I really hope that he can take that step as well Um with these new guys in, in that room.
1: All right. Tatum going deep. Joe Watt-Williams. All right. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that, I, is, that is the answer off the beaten path right there. Well,
0: you know, when, when you cover one team, it's really helpful to know the whole <laughs> roster. No, I say that, and, like, there's 90 players to know, and there's still very I, – I still – have a hard time remembering that many. <laughs> like when I love when there I love when there's fifty three. Um, it's just very easy for my brain. But uh, speaking of a lot of guys in a room, you've got a deep position in the deepest position on the defense. You say may be at safety and uh, and charge. Why why is that? I mean, I think we kind of all maybe maybe understand because it is one of those. Uh, where there's not a ton of new faces or guys that we, we know a ton about.
1: Yeah, well, part of it is we've changed so much of the rest of the defense. Yeah. But you've got Harrison Smith providing, obviously, Hall of Fame-level veteran leadership uh, at the safety position. Cam Bynum was solid last year. But, you know, Josh Metellus splashes all the time and looks really, really promising. And now you've got first-round pick Lewis Seam back. So, you know, it's suddenly we're like four deep at safety. It feels like a luxury spot right now. And, um, you know, compared to all the other (laughs) positions of our defense with all the new faces and all the question marks and all the things we're not sure enough, we don't even know where they stand on the – is this a 4-3 defense? Is it a 3-4? Is it a hybrid? There's so many questions on this defense. The one thing you can look at and, and, and safely say is, this team's got some talent at safety. And that's the one spot of the defense you can feel pretty good about rolling into 2023 with.
2: Yeah, I think the safety position, I think that you look at that as with Harrison Smith being here for 12 seasons, as the field general at the back end, I mean, Zimmer looked at him that way too, just knowing that he could rely on that guy and kind of turn him loose. And I think there's a bunch of us that are very interested in the idea of what would Flores do with a guy like that, that that is that smart and still athletically gifted the way he is. I think the rest of those guys have been learning underneath, you know, probably one of the best people that they could at that position for the future for whenever you know Harrison is no longer on the roster but I look at it as if you can get to a point where they feel like just turn Harrison loose let him go it also takes off some of the pressure from that cornerback position too because you could slide some of those guys in whether it's nickel or other places if need be but just to have the luxury of depth there in a uh, position group in the secondary that we were just talking about it with the corner saying we've been throwing a lot of draft equity at these guys trying to get something to be solidified. We've been very lucky over the years to have somebody as, as surefire as Harrison Smith on that defense. Oh Yeah.
1: And so what a luxury it's been to watch his whole career. And I the thing that's so special with Harrison Smith to me, I mean, there's lots of things, but what I'm always going to remember is i and Zimmer did this brilliantly, the pre snap uh, things that, that oh, Harrison yeah. Smith would do to opposing quarterbacks was basically just cruel. You know, if, you know, he'd line lining up all over the field. He'd, you know, move him into the slot. He'd look like an edge rusher. He'd be, you know, then he's backing up. He would torture and still does torture opposing quarterbacks with his pre-snap looks and where you put Harrison Smith. Can't wait to see what Brian Flores does with that.
0: Yeah, really excited about that for sure. I, I we're, we'll wrap up soon. But I but, but my main thing and, and the reason that I love talking to you so much is because I like to get my fantasy tidbits so I can get ready for the season. And I was driving <laughs> home the other day and I was listening to the radio, which I really don't do very often because I'm a very big podcast listener. And I, I caught the tail end of, I think, a feast potentially where Nordo and you were hosting.
1: Yeah. And they're talking. It takes basically <laughs> the entire summer of Fridays off, <laughs> which he gets to do that when you. When you've accrued uh, accrued uh, twenty years of uh, vacation time. So.
0: Yes, yes. I guess with some status, you get to do that, huh? Well, I appreciate listening to you guys, but then I but then I heard Nordo call my guillotine league team trash, even though I beat him, and I was just <laughs> that like, that okay, happened. I really listened that to like happened. I really listened at
1: the wrong point.
2: That's called envy. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I know
1: that was that was professional envy right there because <laughs> your team beat his team. Uh, you had you've been a final. Four team, I think. Both Final of three your years in the Guillotine League. Final three, both of your years.
2: That's yeah, she's impressive. Yeah, she's making me feel uh, <laughs> less than with this Guillotine League here.
0: Look, I, I don't know beginner's luck. I got no idea. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I, honestly, and I tell Church this all the time. I listen to the Guillotine League podcast. Mm-hmm. I listen to Fantasy Football Weekly, mm-hmm. all on the app, Thank you. you know, the podcast app. And I yeah. mean, you might say that I'm good at this, but maybe I'm just listening to Charge the whole time. Just You're saying. you right. It might be all about
1: me.
0: <laughs> I, I yeah, hadn't thought of it that way, but I'd
1: like to believe that.
0: Okay. I do. I, look, I, I, com- I commit to the bit, is what I keep saying about <laughs> things that I do that are like a little obnoxious. But like, yeah. if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it like a thousand percent. And so I tend to over obsess about it. And I think that's
2: part of it. I was going to say, listen, like there's no better source than the guy who's actually developed the entire thing. So you might as well listen to, you know, what Charger's (laughs) got to say, because I think he's got a couple insights here on this thing.
0: So now that you've kind of had a bunch of drafts going on, I know that you can go to Guillotine Leagues and start your drafts now. And you've got open uh, chop drafts and things like that going on or, or leagues open for business. Are you seeing an overall consensus of JJ going first?
1: Yes. Yes, we are. And particularly in the guillotine format where you're playing not to lose, you're not playing to win, you're playing not to lose. Justin Jefferson is just the safest pick in fantasy football along with Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, J.J.'s going on average, his uh, average draft position is pick number one in wow. the guillotine leagues. And nationally, by the way, not even you know non-guillotine league, his average draft position is number one.
2: So he's essentially at Megatron slash Julio Jones in the past uh, status at this point.
1: Yeah. Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what Justin Jefferson is, uh, has done. And I, I, you know, I, the case for Justin Jefferson looks like this, you you know, Kirk is set. This offensive line's getting better. This offense is going to largely go through his hands and with Dalvin cook gone, maybe even more so. And, um, and Justin Jefferson, you know, he did have a couple of games in which you know, teams schemed to basically just take him away. The presumption is that with uh, Jordan Addison coming in, that that's going to be harder to do this year. And so, yeah, I just people just, you know, they recognize that he's an absurdly unique talent. And Justin Jefferson, your first overall pick in fantasy drafts.
0: Last year, was it Jonathan Taylor?
1: It was Jonathan Taylor. Isn't that and
0: so funny? That yeah. Yeah. And I guess Christian McCaffrey was pretty high last season, too, I feel
1: like. Yeah. You know, McCaffrey had come off the two straight injury marred seasons. So, so there were a lot of people gun shy in McCaffrey yeah, last that's true. year. And then he ended up having a really good season. And so uh, we're, <laughs> I yeah, think that hits it, Jay it, it, close it. to home.
2: That is correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, he got a lot of teams chopped in uh, 2020 and 2021. Holy cow, Christian McCaffrey was a killer.
2: He was, uh, I had maneuvered my way years ago into my dynasty league where my first two draft picks in the rookie draft were McCaffrey and Delvin Cook. And I ended up having wow. at one point to make mm. a choice after a couple years of domination of which one I was going to keep. I let Dalvin go and kept Christian McCaffrey, and then Christian decided to get injured and injured and injured. And then as soon as I don't yes. pick Christian McCaffrey, he, he gets traded has, to the Niners yes, and, goes and goes ape again. So, of yeah. course. You know, it's of just course. one of those things.
1: And Dalvin Cook suddenly gets healthy, right? So after yes. Dalvin Cook had had all those injury issues early on, and then you, yeah. you bail on Dalvin, and I understand why. And then Dalvin's basically an Iron Man after that.
2: <laughs> and I think tap dancing on my uh, fantasy grave was seeing uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey this summer playing keys at uh, Red Rocks for a, with a, a country band on stage. He was actually playing the keyboard and all stuff, and I'm just like, man, this guy is uh, definitely home and enjoying his best life in the off season.
0: Yeah, and just got engaged. I mean, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, he did. Yes, yes, he did to a who's, supermodel. Who's a lucky lady, to, to, she's a former Miss USA, former Miss Universe. Well, now she's yeah, like of a, a, a Instagram like, and she's a model. She does a lot of modeling. She's a very, very. She has a, a reality show, I think, too. Olivia Culpo. Yep. But she's also very, which I don't think many people know. She can like play the cello. She's very musically gifted and so is Christian. Oh. So I think they have a little bit more in common than just being pretty.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if, 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 if he, he was on stage at Red Rocks playing the playing keyboards and maybe he's a talented keyboardist. And I don't I don't Who know. Who knows? Him. I didn't know. This. It sounds like she might be the better musician of the group. Oh, She definitely
0: she won, Miss, she won Miss America, too. So I think that she was Miss America, then Miss USA or something like that. So she can play viol- like she used to play talent.
2: At least they have a they have a fallback plan, you know in case these careers don't work out currently for the two of them.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. small. Mm-hmm.
2: You know they they might be hurting for some cash here in the future, oh, so yeah, at least yeah, they can yeah. rely on their uh, musical talents.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, this has just gone off the rails. <laughs> um, Love it. So if so if JJ's going first, and then I would say maybe Kelsey is a consensus number two. Is the third pick in the draft the toughest place to be?
1: Um, because
0: you know you usually say second, you usually say number two, from what I remember.
1: Yeah. Right. The, the consensus right now is Justin Jefferson into Christian McCaffrey. And those are kind of your lock one and two in okay. fantasy drafts, if if that's what you're asking. And yeah. then, you know, after that, you can start putting your own little spin on it a little bit, uh, depending on, you know, who you want to take. Travis Kelsey's in play here. Who's ever been sad they drafted Travis Kelsey? Well, I've been Nobody. sad did and bid on him enough money. <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. Um, Jamar Chase, right in this conversation. Maybe you think Cooper Cup's going to bounce back. Maybe um, you love Tyreek Hill just because he's a human highlight machine. Maybe we want Austin Eckler because you want all those receptions at running back. So those are your lot. Those are your top seven, right there. And I think there's a breaking point after seven. So if there's, if I, I think, I think you want to be in the top seven to get one of those guys because after that, now you got another tier of players. Like I don't know. A.J. Brown and Bijan John Robinson and C.D. Lamb and um, Garrett Wilson, maybe Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor. Those guys, to me, just aren't as compelling. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is going to stress me out once more, isn't it? <laughs>
1: That's the whole idea. The whole idea. Well, thank you. Embrace it. Right. Yeah. I
0: love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Church, for doing this, for spending so much time with us um, today and talking to us about our favorite team as well as the fantasy world because you know sometimes they're they go hand in hand.
1: Sounds great. And looking forward to a fun football season. Tate Tatum, I'll see you yeah. every other week at Buffalo Wild Wings. That's right, be,
0: right. That's right. Yep. Again, you can follow Paul Charchian at Paul Charchian on Twitter. Sign up for a guillotine league. They're super fun. Changes the way you play fantasy. I I like it better than the normal fantasy world. It's so great. it's great. So Standing. hopefully you know what I've uh, I'm going for I'm going for it all this year. Going for it
2: all. all and right. I'll get well, chopped you going first. you last kidding.
0: year. I, yeah, well, I got – no, I knew I wasn't going to win last year. I, but
2: my – just uh, a touchy just to, subject. My goal is just to get to Tatum status at this no. point. I'm tired <laughs> of getting sniped in the first first month of the uh, season and then being like, all right, I guess I'm washing my hands of that one. Tatum, good luck. Uh, this year, I need to get to Tatum status. There
0: you go. I, I really, really feel like if I get chopped early, I'm going to have to like join – um something else because like what will i focus on i only do one league i only do
2: one league oh i'm i'm taking co-ownership <laughs> if uh if you're interested <laughs> here if you do get bounced early i could definitely okay, use some I help i could
0: co-manage there i like co-managing although you I have to it. you have to also ha- add josh in there because he's also my co-manager
2: uh, listen at this point for me more <laughs> the merrier i will take whatever i know i,
0: I probably out. shouldn't say that and just take all the glory <laughs> but i have to give josh some credit he does help me so ah. He's good at it too. Uh, He's you pretty don't have good to. <laughs> He's pretty good at fantasy himself. So he has a he has a, so, a bunch of championships.
1: That's a, so that's what he tells you, or do you know? Oh,
0: that? I know that for a fact. We're a powerhouse couple. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, anyway, anyway. Thank you, guys. Thank uh, you so much, George, for being right. here.
1: We appreciate it. Lots of fun. Thanks, guys. Bye, bye.
0: Thanks again to Paul Charchin for joining the podcast today. Always a good time and a. Wealth of knowledge. Um, just a couple of things before we get going. The training camp dates are listed online. That starts July twenty eighth. Crazy to think we are
2: a little over two weeks. Yeah,
0: two weeks away, Jay. That's kind of that's crazy. Uh, players do report on July twenty third. The veterans on July twenty fifth. Then we'll see you fans out at those practices. There are two joint practices, two night practices. So a lot of opportunities for you to come out and see your favorite team. And then a little bit later this week, we have a pick six dropping with the Vikings beat writers, which we have never done before. So the guys that you see penning your favorite articles are now going to be in front of the camera answering your fan questions. We're really excited about that. And uh, and also, Jay, something big is going on this week.
2: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I mean, I have it in my Netflix queue ready to go.
2: Yes. Yeah, I know that the quarterback is officially being released on Netflix. You've got... Uh, Mahomes, our guy Kirk Cousins, and, and Mariota is the, kind of the three featured guys here. There's a ton of behind the scenes footage. I know that there's a an event at TCO on on the 11th at the same point when it fully is released here on the 12th there's a lot of anticipation you're starting to see uh 4 or 5 minute chunks yeah. of it being thrown out as a red meat just to get people interested but i am curious you know as much as people love hard knocks being able to focus on you know these three guys uh within this this series i think is going to be really interesting just to see how everyone reacts to it and if you just think about the personalities of those three guys are three completely you know different people and how kind of They play how their perception, the leadership, all that kind of stuff. I'm really, really excited to think about, you know, when the public gets a hold of this, what their thoughts and perceptions are on this whole thing. So I'm, I'm really excited to see it officially hit uh, for everybody else and, and for everyone that gets the sneak peek at TCOPC. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to, you know, have a beautiful night and be able to enjoy that with everybody yeah. else there watching. I'm really watching excited the
0: to go out there tonight and do that. Obviously we're, we're recording on Tuesday, so we're pumped about that. I Haven't really seen the episode yet. Um excited to see it tonight. What
2: what's your biggest uh, kind of Talker thought going into this whole thing. Like what do you, what are you interested in seeing?
0: Okay. I know this is this I know this is a Vikings podcast, yeah. right? I I'm very well aware of that. But I am very interested in hearing about Marcus Mariota. Yeah. And that's only because I covered him for a season, I think, in maybe one season in Tennessee. And I yeah. felt like he was just a very elusive human being. Like there's not much out there about him. He does not share his personal life um he really doesn't do social media like he's just a very like, elusive guy he just has mystery to him i know his wife talks i know he's talking like i'm excited to kind of see what his life is like now because you go from being a second overall draft pick and then a starter and you take your team to their first ever playoff game in like 14 years or something crazy and then you just kind of like Fell off right like you fell off and you Atlanta you get benched and this is the season that they're going to highlight so like for some like sick reason I'm like really interested in in seeing who he is when someone is filming him all the time like who he is behind the press conferences and what we only see in the locker room.
2: See that's the side of all three of these guys that I want to see is I, I we see so much of the public stuff you know with the press conferences and everything and you had a guy who won the whole thing you know yeah that's going to be really interesting which is going to be interesting to see just and, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of really crazy footage that he's willing to 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 use but I am more curious than with the Mariota side and the cousin side as far as and even with Mahomes the day-to-day like what is your day-to-day because we get small glimpses of it we, we yeah you know would work with Kirk when he was at home and stuff but you know he's trying to balance not only the pressures of being a quarterback, being a public figure, personal life, family life, everything else that goes on with that too, and I'm I that is the the side I think that even with hard knocks, you know they do like these little vignettes with people for four or five minutes and say oh you know we're he's a painter we're going to take him to some art studio and let him paint and then talk about what it's like to be in the NFL, um, but with these three guys. They're at completely different stages of their careers at this point. And I am very curious to see just what makes the three of them tick individually behind the scenes, let alone the successes that they were having on the field last season. So that's the stuff that that to me, I think, is the most interesting is to see what mm-hmm. is included that way and kind of how these guys live their day to day life.
0: I'm, I'm really pumped about this one. And I and look, I, I like watching behind the scenes stuff, but but I'm really excited about this one for sure. For sure. Yeah. So uh, that's coming out on Netflix, July 12th. Are they releasing every episode at one time or are they doing like a...
2: All eight episodes drop on that day. So so you
0: get all eight episodes on July 12th. Yep, It's going to be a binge watching session for me at least or maybe <laughs> into this weekend because I don't know if I can do eight. Long ones like that in like one day.
2: I think that's the thing is with this, there's going to be people that are just going to gobble it up as fast as possible. Just given the fact that, you know, this is right before training camp, there's going to be a lot of fans that are going to be interested in this. And it's going to be interesting because there are going to be people who are going to see like two episodes and then there's going to be other people who are going to see the entire thing and say, just wait until kind of a thing, you know, like, cause there'll be, there'll be talkers and questions after each episode, yeah, no spoilers. of it, but that's the whole thing is it's the weird nature of this whole thing. Given that, you know, some people like the week to week thing, so you can talk about it. And then other people just say, just let me binge the entire thing and process through it. So I think there will be a, a, a very good chunk of people that will binge it up front and then just start talking as fast as I can forget to come thing. back to it. Sure.
0: Like, you know, Succession was coming out weekly and I would just hear it in the office. And the only reason I would remember is because people were talking about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't watch it this week. Stop talking. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just forget because that's not how I watch TV anymore.
2: I think there's a lot of people. Yeah. I think it, I like to binge. The whole thing is once once Netflix uh, introduced that model, I think the, there's a lot of people that just said this is the way it's going to be for the future. So, yeah, I, I, it really is a, an interesting psychology test for everyone. But the idea with with this one is going to be fun just to see the full slate behind the scenes of of what happened during last season.
0: Okay, just because I want to make this podcast even longer. Jay, is there a show that you've been watching this summer that you've been able to catch up on that you're like, you know, like that's been like your thing this my, summer?
2: My most anticipated show... Um, going into this summer was The Bear uh, Oh my God, two. that's
0: what we're watching right now. Yes,
2: yeah, so as a guy who had worked in restaurants and stuff for a, ch- a chunk of time, yeah. that was, and I was a huge lover of, of kind of everything that was, whether it was writing or the documentary style or the TV shows and stuff like that of Anthony Bourdain. I was a huge Bourdain guy oh, from the beginning okay. because his first book came out when I was working in the restaurant business and it was one of the first times I had read something with Kitchen Confidential that I really felt like there are tr- very big truth nuggets within this sure. book as to what it really means to to work in, in, in kitchens and everything. So to me, when they announced the bear was coming out and kind of finding out kind of how he went through kind of the boot camp of what it's like to be a chef, it got to a point where at the very end, like the the head of the restaurant, the head chef, the lead chef mm-hmm. who had been his mentor, Literally, was he walked in the door and he's like, "Okay, it's yours today." And he had to run one of the best restaurants in the world as kind of his final test
1: before he
2: went to go, you know, be the actor for the show. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: I was wondering, thinking to myself, like, that was so seamless. They talk so fast, and honestly, the first episode, I was like, "Yeah, whoa, I cannot keep up. How am I going to keep up with this show?"
2: And trust me, like, there are there are levels to this whole thing. Three
0: or four episodes in,
2: but that's the that's the thing. The idea of working in a kitchen. There, There is a a uh, there are levels to this whole thing. There are very mom and pop run organizations. Yeah. And then there is kind of this, um, for lack of a better term, military style that they they run certain kitchens in order French to survive. Style. Yes. And so <laughs> in, in doing that, the bear was something I was very interested in. And season That's one, cool. I, I really enjoyed it. So when season two was coming out. I'm also a big uh, uh, Christopher Nolan fan, so movie wise, uh, Oppenheimer has been my yeah. my when does that come star out? Uh, next week, okay. and so we got uh, Mission Impossible this week and Oppenheimer next week. There so those go. are kind of the two two on my list. There's but always
0: a good summer blockbuster, huh? TV
2: wise, if you haven't watched them, they're they're easy watches. They're you know half hour episode kind of yeah. a thing. And, yeah, we're um, trying
0: to. Do that right now, and
2: the bear is 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 a great show for me, and so I I really enjoyed it. There's
0: very very few shows that Josh and I agree on, and so this is one of them, and we'll watch it and be faithful to it. Enjoy, yeah. So, we just wrapped up Barry, so that was that was our next was fantastic foray. Too. Yeah, uh, I do except the. Anyway, I don't want to get into spoilers. <laughs> we'll get off screen with spoilers. But uh, off screen, we're on a freaking podcast. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is we'll wrap up the show now. I think I think that's a safe bet. I just wanted to talk TV with Jay because I always like talking TV. But um, yeah, Netflix, July 12th, Quarterback. You guys come out for Training Camp. We'll see you then for now. I'm Tatum Everett, Jay Nelson, Eric Davidson. Thanks again to Paul Charchian for being a part of the podcast. And we'll see you or hear you guys next week. <laughs> Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life slash kids.